The Midwest Film Nerds podcast is now available on Stitcher Radio. Download the free Stitcher Radio app from the Android and iTunes app stores to start streaming our show today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. And I'm Alex. We have a wonderful show planned for you today. Uh, we're going to be covering a little film news, including some of our favorite things to come out of the hackening, as it's being called on the internet, oh by people. Um, I feel bad for even saying the hackening, but I did. Um, and then we're going to have a full review of Ridley Scott's Exodus, Gods and Kings. Um, but before that, let's get down to business. Um, if you want to get a hold of us and send us some feedback, which we don't have any this week, um, we would love some next week. So. You guys are dropping the ball. Yeah, screw it up. Get on it. Yeah, cut it out. Quit watching football and like do something. Um, Stop doing non-nerdy things. Yeah. And do nerdy things. Don't. Quit eating steak. Eat a <laughs> kale salad or something. Um, Alright, you can contact us at 248-7335-MFN, which is 248-7335-636. Um, you can also email us, feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. Um, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash Midwest Film Nerds Podcast, also on Twitter at MFN Podcast, and Instagram at MFN Podcast. Um, and be sure to check MidwestFilmNerds.com for all past episodes with show notes. Uh, we do have a little bit of an announcement. Uh, it's been talked about before, but I wanted to pass it over to Alex. We have a little project in the, in the works here. So Yeah, so we recorded the pilot of the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast, which will be Helmed by my brother as no, of, of Midwest Film News podcast fame, John mm-hmm. will be uh, kind of the, the main host and the, the creative lead on that one. But uh, we'll have a pilot up soon. I'll probably put it in this feed. And anybody who wants to listen to it, please check it out. If you know anybody who loves video games, tell them to come check it out. Uh, we'd love to have feedback on, on the show and uh, try to break into a new audience and have uh, more more shows about different things on the Midwest Podcast Network. So please uh, let us know what you think of the new show. Yeah, everybody harassed them for a Mega Man episode, so I have a reason to be on the show. There Thank you go. Yep. That's my one request. Um, all right, well, let's get into film news. Um, not a lot going on this week. Not anything real. <laughs> but, uh, but there were some announcements, not full announcements, but some, some talk from people behind the scenes about uh, the sequel to Ninja Turtles. Um, apparently Jonathan Leesman is not back as director, which I think <laughs> uh, shame. I'm okay with, and I'm pretty sure you are, and yeah. the other people that I'm saw o- that movie. I'm okay with it until until somebody else <laughs> takes the reins. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Until Michael Bay grabs the steering wheel of somebody's <laughs> career and just drives it further off a cliff. Yes. Um, but anyway, there was some, some kind of, there was some talk about uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, the classic uh, villains from the Fred Wolf cartoon series, as well as Casey Jones. And I will say, for one, I believe I said this on the review of uh, Ninja Turtles, that I don't think that anything that happened in that, that movie was bad enough to destroy the potential of a new Turtles franchise. Mm-hmm. Didn't love it, but we can fix this. It's, it, we, can, we can do it. We can make it right. So I think um, going into full cartoon mode and just having a great time with it, and basically... Uh, Mixing the grittiness, if you want to call it that, of this reboot with like the crazy zaniness of the cartoons, I think is a cool way to go. And it's something we haven't seen in a live action format yet. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about this news? Are you excited for Bebop and Rocksteady? Or Casey Jones? I mean. You know, I kind of really don't care. Okay. That Michael Bay, or excuse me, the Jonathan Liebsman movie was enough for me to just kind of be like, 
I don't know if this is gonna be if this is really gonna matter to me all that much. If they if they pull a full like we are ignoring the first movie, okay, I'll come back, I'll check it out, I'll be excited about it again. But I think the likelihood of that happening is low and 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 but you know it's not like I won't give it a try. If it's coming out and there's nothing coming out that week that we want to review, we're probably I'll probably see it and it right. might be good. I don't know. I don't know. But Liebsman leaving doesn't like I don't think he was the main issue necessarily. Yeah, I don't think, I think it, it helped. But. It didn't it didn't help, but it didn't necessarily hurt. I think uh it it will we'll have to see kind of who's writing and 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 you know, maybe if there's a director who's going to come on who's actually like I'll make a good Turtles movie. Mm-hmm. That could get me excited again, but I don't know. All right, Nick. Nick is the one who who hasn't seen. Yeah, I'm I'm woefully ill-equipped to even talk about this, and um, I don't care. <laughs> like you said, Liebsman leaving does nothing for me. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Again, I could pull up the Futurama clip. <laughs> I have no strong feelings one way or the other. Uh, Casey Jones will just be a, a cyborg man ninja, <laughs> and Bebop and Rock City will be mutants, and they'll crush things. I I will say one of the things that actually worked in the the new one was <clears throat> the um, anytime that the turtles were fighting Shredder or or doing things that were pulled kind of from the comics and the show. That those are the moments I enjoyed. Um, so I, I I am excited. I will probably go see this movie just to see a fight scene with Bebop and Rocksteady and the Turtles. Just because it, it'll be such a such a throwback. I mean, it might not be good. What if they just copy and paste the rhino suit from Amazing Spider-Man Two? If Bebop and Rocksteady are robots, I will not see it. Like <laughs> I, I won't. I won't be excited to see it. If they're like actual mutants, which let's be honest, they might not be. I got. Damn it! Why did you put that in my head? <laughs> I'm thank sorry. you, Alex. Actually, I I, I thank you because I've now dropped your, your. So so if it comes out and it's and they're meeting mutants, then you'll be excited. Screw about this it. movie. Don't care anymore. Moving on. <laughs> um, there was a big, <laughs> there was a catastrophic uh, hack at Sony uh, Sony Pictures, and a lot of internal information has come out. Alex, you brought this to our attention, or well, you've been kind of keeping an eye on things a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So. Um... So basically, the rumor is that Sony is putting out the interview, the North Korean Kim Jong-un assassination movie with starring Seth Rogen and and, uh, James Franco, and supposedly there is a hacker group uh, uh, with the name of GOP um, who hacked Sony, stole tons and tons of data, including many, many things, which we'll get into, and said that they will continue to release more and more of this data unless Sony pulls the interview from the market. Okay. Which uh, is hilarious. Supposedly. This movie's going to do gangbusters. Oh, absolutely. And whether or not it deserves it. So in the data that was lost, we've got five, uh, well, four unreleased Sony movies, but one that was already released. There's a DVD rip of Fury that's out on the internet. There's a, there's a DVD rip of Annie that's out on the internet. You've also got uh, Mr. Turner, Still Alice, and To Write Love on Her Arms. So it's not like it's a big slate of... Like, Annie's probably pretty big. Fury already came out, so that wasn't a big deal. This happened, like, two or three weeks ago, so Fury had already been in theaters for a little while. Um, So that was kind of the big Sony product that got released. But the other thing here... 
They also leaked social security numbers of, of Sony employees. They released budgets and, and, <laughs> and payment information for stars and directors and writers and everything. Oh, and aliases. That and, came out too. Yeah, yeah. And aliases. And then they've also released a ton of emails, which now people are combing over to find droves and droves of information about movies and and relationships and we've we've learned more about why the Steve Jobs movie blew up and uh and and all kinds of really ridiculous crazy stuff that we would not be, be privy to without this hack happening. So I know Willie you wanted us to kind of go through and, and pick out our favorite uh nugget of information that we've learned from this hack. Yeah and look I don't want to um I don't want to celebrate this because it's I, there, there are actual like hardworking people that were affected by this, and that sucks. Yeah. That being said, there's a lot of funny stuff coming out from this too. So I just want to celebrate the good while not condoning the bad. There you go. Okay. Um, Nick, would yes. you like to kick things off here? No. Okay, <laughs> Alex, would you like to kick things? So off? So I here? sent you guys one earlier today. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, really simple, uh, simple story here, but um, <laughs> basically one of the leaked emails. Was uh, Channing Tatum writing back to Sony? And I, I'll read. I'll read his email here. F you, Ted. Second of all time, biatch. Come on, Jump Streets. We got Kate Blanchett with this box office, bitches. Ah ha 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 For pages and, the and pages. Ha 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 goes on pages. for pages. <laughs> so basically, he wrote as soon as Twenty Two Jump Street came out and was like the biggest movie that weekend and got the biggest like rated R movie opening of all time. <laughs> he wrote this back to. Um, to some of the, the people at uh, Sony, Joni, uh, Jonah Hill and Amy Pascal are on the email, email apparently. <laughs> Amy Pascal being a producer at Sony. <laughs> he wrote that back and was just so happy that he, he had to go and, and, and type ah ha 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 ha. And there's, there's like, many, I don't even think he like, he probably copied and pasted like the first seven lines like three billion times because it's huge. I don't think anybody's printed the full length. No, because it's insane. <laughs> it, it's an insane person. That's awesome, but yeah, this is—it's just a. This is this is probably the most innocuous glimpse of things True, that we pure would, chan chan, pure chan chan, and things that we would never see in the in the in the light of day unless you know people hack companies and, and put their information out there. But it's basically a real life version of that scene in Twenty Two Jump Street when he finds out that Jonah Hill slept with Ice Cube's daughter, and he just starts laughing at him. Yeah, 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 basically, it's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Nick, are you ready yet? Do you want me to go? Sure, sure. All right, well, <laughs> Nick's on this. Just get this out of the way. Um, I, I really don't know too much about the leak. Again, I'm pretty out of the loop on the second thing we're talking about this week. <laughs> I got plenty to say about Exodus, though. It's cool. Um, yeah, my, my favorite story, and uh, incidentally, the only one I've read, uh, <clears throat> had to do with the Russo brothers emailing... Uh, Sony and some other little snippets here. And the, the parts that I thought were particularly juicy was that the Russo brothers are basically trying to steal the Spider-Man producing job away from the current producers. Yeah. I think because the Spider-Man situation is so rocky and no one knows what's going on. And it's like, it seems like a pretty hilarious and sleazy move. Um, one of the Russos, it was Joe, sent uh, an email to the producer I guess he and uh, Anthony formed their own production company, it's brand new, and he said that a difficult conversation would have to take place with the current Spider-Man producers, but he says it would be a conversation worth having, and um, which is just such a scummy way of like trying to eat yeah. in there and be like, it's awesome. And then um, 
<clears throat> excuse me. Uh, who is this? Amy Pascal. Yeah. Yeah. She apparently in, a, in an email that was leaked begged Sam Raimi to help her with Spider-Man. <laughs> but in another email, she tells a Sony executive that she doesn't need his help because he went Joel Schumacher on the third. <laughs> third Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm sure Raimi won't like being compared to Batman and Robin director Joel Schumacher is what the story says. But then, uh, in another email, Avi Arad begs Pascal to give him the green light on a Venom movie because the toys and video games based on the character are popular. Good. Good reasons to make movies. Yep. And then lastly, a uh, motion picture group president, Jeff Robinov, warns Pascal not to make a deal with Marvel, but you have to question his advice as he still thinks Stan Lee can create more characters in the Spider-Man universe for Sony. <laughs> Amazing. These are some. This is a top-notch brain trust we're dealing with at Sony. <laughs> this man makes six figures. I mean, it's kind of at illuminates. Least. This Probably kind of more. illuminates why why Spider-Man is such a cluster in, in, in such a in this such is, disarray right this now. This is insanely stupid. <laughs> well, and then you've got this whole. There's there are emails too about like the Spider-Man stuff where they were like. You know, screw Marvel Studios. We have a deep and rich Spider-Man universe. We'll make a Venom movie and a Spider-Girl movie, and then we're going to bring them together in a mega event film. And I'm like, no one gives a shit. <laughs> it's... Yeah, like... Uh... Sony should hire us. I think they've got this. Sony should hire somebody. Anybody. They Anybody should, who, they should who... sack everyone making other decisions. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's really strange. Um, it's bad. Though there's a lot that came out about Spider-Man, and I was going to talk more about that, but I, I, let's get to some of the fun stuff here. Okay? Well, and, and with, like some of the other information that came out was like information on how Sony and Marvel were kind of negotiating, negotiating. how they might share Spider-Man. Which I, is... sh- I should say that that email from Joe Russo started with, um, "It's too bad the negotiations with Marvel didn't work out." Yeah. yeah. So basically, I don't think we're going to get Spider-Man in Civil War. No, probably not. Um, but at least they were trying for it. Yeah. I think Black Panther is going to fill that role. I think that's probably the plan now. But um, okay, so Sony and Quentin Tarantino apparently were considering a Django Zorro crossover film. That wasn't the email. There's a Django Zorro comic right now. They were considering a movie, which all right, all right, Jizorro. Uh, <laughs> kind of down for that. Jizorro. D apostrophe J and then Zorro. The D is still silent. Nice. <laughs> that's amazing. I like it. Um, the other things, well, we have, probably have an Aquaman director, more than likely. Yeah, apparently Jeff Nichols may be an Aqu- Which, the Aquaman is, is director. Is anybody well-versed in Jeff Nichols? I don't, I'm not familiar with Um, him. I haven't seen Mud yet, I started it. But oh, Mud, okay, it. he did Mud, okay. Yeah, he directed my, I watched Mud at some point, I don't remember it very well. Okay. Um, so that's I, don't, I don't think that's to the fault of the movie, though, that was... Mud has to do with water, though, so he, he could do Aquaman. Yeah, he's, I, clearly he's got a thing for goes from mud aqueous, to water. aqueous solutions. Yes. Damn science. Gotta be his production company. <laughs> Damn science guy. Um, the, the Here's one of my favorites, and this one has me scratching my head, and I, I, I really hope you agree. Um, Is this the one you've been hyping up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's so stupid. I'm ready. It's so stupid. Cue the Bill Clinton. It makes no sense. <laughs> so everybody's familiar with, with, with the big plans for the Ghostbusters reboot, right? Oh, God. We got our Paul Feig, and, and, and there were there Sony emails about how Every comedic actress in Hollywood has has read for roles in this and stuff. Well, they're actually planning also a Ghostbusters reboot spinoff already. They already jumped the gun in the reboot spinoff. Well, well this, I, 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 as I read it, it was uh, Chan Chan proposed this. Well, apparently, this is the, in the emails it is stated as being in development. All right. So this has gone past Chan Chan sending ha 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 emails. <laughs> 
Chan Chan for Joker. <laughs> Channing Tatum and Chris Pratt in a Ghostbusters spinoff. Why is this not the Ghostbusters reboot? What? What? I don't know. Who cares anymore? It's, but I'm just saying, if if, if Sony had come out and been like, if so, who, who knows? But if Sony had come out and said, we're making a Ghostbusters reboot, and the two first actors we announced are Chris Pratt and Channing Tatum, isn't that infinitely more interesting than the, the crap that Paul Feig is probably going to shove down our throats? I mean... I think it is. Okay. Let's take a step back. They're making a new Ghostbusters movie. Do you care, period? Yes, I do. Actually. Really? I like, do. Like, you, like you, you actually care. I You're do. at a point now I, yes, where we've I gotten care. over the fact that Bill Murray farted around for two decades. I care about it because it's Ghostbusters. Like, I, it's not... If they made a Back to the Future reboot right now, mm-hmm. and they're like, Marty McFly is a, a, a chick, and then Doc Brown is a... Uh, Doc Brown isn't a scientist anymore. He's a like like you would be like, what the hell is going on? I would I would yeah, it would be that is really really stupid. That's how I feel about Ghostbusters. Okay, but, but you're but not I but can't. you're not you're not you're like like are, is there any part of you that is like oh man a new Ghostbusters movie could be so so good? It could absolutely really totally dude. okay totally right. yeah no it could be good if it's done right and, and and I think the first step is I have no problem with a female Ghostbuster being the mix but this just screams. It, the, the whole, like, all-female cast just screams like such a goofy thing to do because we just, can do it. I think it just played so well when Reitman did it at LACMA that they were just like, let's do it. Anyway, my whole thing with this was that I think Channing Tatum and Chris Pratt should just be in the new Ghostbusters movie as Ghostbusters. That's my thought, but... I You know, if it's them and two women, or if it's them and a bunch of women, or if it's... One of them and a bunch of women, or, I, you know, whatever. It's going to totally be a not. Ghostbusters movie. It's not going to be Ghostbusters 1. No, it's never going to be. But so, I hope it's a good movie. I care enough great. to hope still that there's something out, like, someone will get the right idea. It's not going to happen, but... Okay, real quick. I want to go... This is the fun. This is a really fun one here. Um, the aliases of celebrities <laughs> leaked out there. The, 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 the names they use to check into hotels and whatnot. <laughs> and there's some good ones. Uh, let's start with Tom Hanks. <laughs> Harry Louder. That's not too crazy. Johnny Madrid. So Tom Hanks has walked into a hotel and said uh, Johnny Madrid was a... That's awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Got two, um, two rooms under Johnny Madrid. Incredible. <laughs> uh, Toby Maguire, Neil Deep. <laughs> That's hilarious to me. What a dark. Neil um, Deep. Oh my god! Do they? Do they like? Did these? Did they make these up? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty like, sure. I hope so. <laughs> I, I I hope I so. Like Tom Hanks going. I want to be called Johnny Madrid. Johnny Madrid, because you, I can see it. Oh. Yeah. Um, they need to make a movie now with Tom Hanks playing himself as Johnny Madrid. <laughs> sure. That sounds like like a Jimmy Kimmel where he gets mistaken for the real Johnny Madrid, who's a you know what I mean. Like, like Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel's gonna have celebrities on reading their pseudonyms that have come out. <laughs> or like acting yeah. as their pseudonyms. Uh, um, okay, who else? There's some. There's some kind of boring ones. But uh, Clive Owen is Robert Fenton, which I kind of like. It's kind of classy. Rob Schneider has an alias because that's necessary. <laughs> Nazo Good. Exactly what you'd expect yeah, from him. <laughs> uh, Tay Diggs is Scott Diggs. <laughs> okay, I'm Tay's cousin. Uh, <laughs> Jude Law is Mr. Perry. That's, All right. that's amazing. Uh, Jessica Alba is Cash Money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, Ice Cube, Darius Stone, which is his character from Triple X2, which is amazing, uh, and O'Shea Jackson. Uh, yeah, those are my favorite ones. I think that's there's other ones that came out too, but it's, it's interesting. Like, there's a lot of people on that list that no one gives a shit about anymore. Like, does Rob Schneider really need? Mm-hmm. Does he really need one? I don't know. Maybe it's, when he really needs to hide from Adam Sandler. It's pretty silly. Uh, and Daniel Craig is Olwen Ol- Williams. Yeah. Him okay. and Clive Owen are classing it up. Yeah. Pretty awesome. <laughs> Robert Fenton and Olwen Williams in. Yes. <laughs> Drinks at the hotel bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, so that's. Yeah, that's um, I assume we're going to get more out of this because more just keeps popping up every day, but I don't, I don't know how much we'll end up covering in the end it's there's just so much there's a lot that's come out and it's honestly most of it's pretty like there's no reason to even read it because it's just like okay it's a bunch of clowns just yelling at each other over shit that doesn't matter like so any any story that i look at on twitter is basically sony emails have revealed that this this. and and it can be about anybody apparently yeah like like we were saying the whole aquaman director why do they even know that well we don't really know. We but you had a pretty good theory. Yeah, like yeah. I hypothesize that maybe it's because that they've been talking to that director and have been like, hey. We want you to do not, this. Yeah, and he's like, I'm not available because I'll be doing something. We want you to do the Zorro Django spinoff. Because yeah. Tarantino's busy. <laughs> um, anyway, no, I, there, there's been some fun stuff. And, and I hope that, uh, I hope that, you know, anybody who was totally screwed over by this isn't you know like Sylvester Stallone's social security number is online now so that's not good um but anyway that's it for for Sony hack for the hackening uh we won't talk about I'm gonna, this I'm again. gonna get Tom Hanks's uh, uh social security number and and become uh Johnny, Johnny Madrid, Madrid. <laughs> you, will, you will become the Johnny Madrid yes um I'm not I'm gonna steal his fake identity <laughs> <laughs> right I hope he has I wonder like I feel like Tom Hanks is the guy who would like He'd go like one step above the usual uh, alias, just making up a name for that kind of stuff. And he'd like come up with a backstory. Oh yeah. And like I feel like he'd really live his. He, he has a character bible for Johnny Madrid. Yeah, and I, I like to think that Rob Schneider probably has a character bible for Not So Good oh, as well. Of course. Or Neil D. De- <laughs> Neil Deep. Neil Deep. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um, all right, so that's it for that. Um, hopefully, we never have to talk about this again. Um, now, on to our full review of Exodus, Gods and Kings, directed by Ridley Scott, uh, starring Christian Bale, Joel Edgerton, Ben Kingsley, Sigourney Weaver, John Turturro, Aaron Paul, Ben Mendelsohn, a lot of white people. Um, the IMDb synopsis says, the defiant leader Moses rises up against the Egyptian pharaoh Ramses, setting 600,000 slaves on a monumental journey of escape from Egypt and its terrifying cycle of deadly plagues. So, the Bible story. <laughs> um, it's not the Bible.com. Yes, go to Bible.com. Backslash. Um, who wants to kick things off? I don't want to. So, don't who want wants to. to? No. Alex. I don't really understand why this movie was made, which brings me back to the whitewashing thing. Maybe Ridley couldn't get funding for this movie because who wants to make another Exodus movie? <laughs> yeah, maybe he had nothing to do with. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the cast, which I, you know, from his comments, I don't think he tried to cast anybody of race in the leads. But um, no, I, I read a thing today. I was trying to look at articles that talked about the biblical accuracy, just so that you know we 
be able to speak to that a little bit, which, you know, I don't, none of us are Bible scholars and we all, the story's been retold so many times that we'll all have, we'll all have different points and points of reference, but apparently one of, one of the people, one of the articles was written by like a Christian news source and they basically talked about what to expect out of this based off of Ridley's comments and, and Christian Bale's comments. And apparently Ridley saw the Ten Commandments when he was a kid, and he basically looked at the parting of the Red Sea scene and was like, this is ridiculous. This isn't how it would happen in, in real life. I want to make, I can do my version, it'll be better. And that's probably why this movie was made. I answered my question. <laughs> but should it have been made? I don't really know. Like, we have the Ten Commandments, which is like critically acclaimed and... Still ridiculously good. It holds up really well. I think it's one of those rare movies. that's like in the like the national film. Like yeah, it's 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 locked away. <laughs> yeah, and and so I don't think this movie brings anything particularly new to the the Exodus story. Um, in terms of performances, I think people are okay at what they're doing, but they're not given a whole lot to do. And, and even in terms of the story, I feel like we look, we, we're so far pulled back, we end up watching a majority of this movie just seeing Ramses and Moses kind of opposite each other, watching all of this stuff happen in between them. And, and I'm just really kind of baffled as to what the point of it was. And the more that I think about it, it, it feels like, and this is, I, you know, you can go look at Ridley's comments and, and what he said about it all, but it kind of feels like this really childish F you to Christians in terms of like, here's this movie. I've portrayed it in a way that would make it quote unquote realistic using natural, natural phenomenon in order to explain the plagues and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I put this forth, and then and then all the Christians and, and people going to see this movie, like, Willie, you had a comment about how people in your movie were like, that's not how this happened. Yeah, people are not terribly pleased. You know, it's, it's, I think, it's kind of really trying to make Christians <laughs> be revolted by what they're seeing and, and calling BS on the magic of the Ten Commandments, really. And I think it just feels really childish and, and pointless to me. And that's kind of how I feel about the movie as a whole. So, hmm. you know. Interesting. Um, Nick, what did, you, uh, what did you think about Exodus? Um, it's not as bad as I expected it to be, based on some early comments I read. I think it has a couple... It has some strong things going for it. Um, overall, it, it just needed to decide which direction to go. Because some of it feels a lot like like grand scale epic story of of redemption and and freedom and that and there there was that movie was in there tucked away somewhere and then it was also part like myth deconstruction of of the story of Moses and the Exodus so it's in it comes off kind of like Noah crossed with. Ridley's Robin Hood, mm, yeah. which is almost kind of he's he seems to be really into these like deconstructions now of like famous like historical figures, and he just happened to do a biblical one this time. Um, I do disagree with Alex on two points though that it didn't bring anything new to the Exodus table because I think traditionally we've always seen Moses and the whole the whole story of of Exodus treated with a level of respect and 
like discipline. That's fair. And this yeah. movie does kind of the opposite a lot of the time. That it, it kind of starts to take the stance, which I thought was was really interesting, and I wish the movie had gone full Noah, where like Moses is portrayed as a really crazy person mm-hmm. who who you don't really know if if God's involved or not. They they play with that the, the time. They do, thing. and they they start to they start to get there, and then they just kind of loses steam, and the movie kind of backs down from that and goes, well, uh, maybe later, <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, I do think some of Ridley's deconstruction of Christianity in this is pretty interesting, though, and kind of awesome. So I don't, I don't think it comes, I don't think the movie comes across as childish at all. I think it's more, it's criticism for sure, but it doesn't feel like angry and like temper tantrumy. It feels well thought out and executed. I think there's a there's a pretty pivotal moment of cast. uh, There's a pretty pivotal casting choice and depiction of some scenes that I think are pretty pretty integral to his point he's trying to make I just think I want to know if if he was pressured by the studio to back down on how critical he was being and I remember hearing this movie had like seven writers credited mm-hmm. so I want to know what, where exactly it got hashed up into a different movie because mm-hmm. I think he was he was kind of going for something similar to Noah where it was going to be a little bit about picking apart this thing and maybe making the main guy not such a good guy. And then the studio may have been like, well, we kind of like, you know, Kingdom of Heaven and Robin Hood and Gladiator. We kind of want you to make him a good guy. And he's in a war. <laughs> like, he's really, he's actually Robin Hood at one point. And it, I don't know. It's, it's just really all over. The, the, the agenda for the movie, the point is really lost. And as a result, it's a... It's a really, it's a, it was a really strange viewing experience because it's long as hell, mm-hmm. but I never felt like it was that long. Like it moved well enough, and I was never really bored, but at the same time, I was never engaged. I was always kind of bored and always kind of entertained. It was really weird. It was a really <laughs> weird movie. So I, st- I mean, it's been a couple of days since we started. Wait, did we see it yesterday? It's been less whatever. than twenty four hours. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it's been a couple hours at least since I've seen it. But I, I still usually have my mind kind of made up how I feel about it, and I by no means think it was like a very good movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was terrible. But I think there were a lot of interesting, cool things about it that merit some some more simmering. And a friend of mine made a great point about, about Ridley because I was talking about how a lot of people are trashing and he goes, how many of Ridley's films though upon release were like kind of been like eh or like trashed? He goes, the majority of his mm-hmm. filmography and many of them are considered classics today. Almost all of them. So I was like, oof, that's a weird I think point. I think it's another point we could talk <laughs> about is why does this man always need a director's cut? Has nobody learned to just let Ridley do his Ridley thing? It, I was, I, it's going to bring that, I'm going to bring that up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna bring that up because that's that's important. I think. Okay. Um, I I'm not gonna pair it with Nick said, even though like I think we're absolutely 100 percent agreed on this movie, like entirely. I I can't even <laughs> he took the words right out of my mouth. But since you went a little deeper with it, I'll go with kind of the the surface level stuff. Um, from a, an effect standpoint, I think it was pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, I thought that there was some cool stuff achieved on screen. There's a couple wonky moments here and there that look some of the some of the crocodiles is a little goofy. I but I didn't feel like the effects were bad, but I just didn't feel that much of a spectacle to it. You know, I thought I did at the, at the climax. The so. climax there was okay. there was some spectacle there. Um, and, sure. and to be honest, actually, some of the stuff with the plagues there were a couple moments where I was like, "Good God!" Like literally, "Good God!" Um, <laughs> bad God. Um, 
the performances range from from comical to solid. I wouldn't say anybody is great. Um, I think there are a lot of people that are missed, horribly miscast. And I'm not just speaking in terms of the whitewashing thing. My thing with the casting is, okay, I, I totally see what Ridley was saying. I realize that you're not going to get this big budget movie funded. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be this way, but you're not going to get it funded without casting a couple recognizable white males. It's just not going to happen. It's sad. It should be different, but that's the way it is. And Ridley knows this. He's been working in the industry forever. Yeah. So I can buy Christian Bale enough. Joel Edgerton's... I actually, I actually thought Christian Bale was, was the best in the movie. I agree. Especially as the movie went on. I absolutely... I, I, he I was a little stiff that. for a while, but he kind of needs to be. He so, was at the beginning. So it's interesting that he... I mean, the character kind of should be a little bit of a... of a Not a blank slate, but... Uh, oh. <laughs> that's good, actually. Well done. Sick <laughs> reference, bro. Um... <laughs> Anyway, so thanks, Alex. Derail. So, um, no, he kind of starts off as a blank slate, but you really—I I felt like you grow to really in, become invested in his personal journey. Um, yeah, I would agree. Joel Edgerton, I could forgive. I thought he—I mean, he doesn't necessarily—he did, he did what he could. He did what he could. I think that the they, that he was restricted by the script. I think that he, I can tell he really wanted to just go there. He wanted to Langella the hell out of this thing, and he, somebody. Pump the brakes on him. There are moments that shine through. There are moments when he's got this twinkle in his eye, like I'm about to hand the hell out of the scene, and then somebody's like, "No, stop it. Oh, no. Sit in the corner. Hit him on the nose of the newspaper. Yeah, seriously, spray him with a little scribble." <laughs> um, so those two, I, I get. Why do you need to cast Sigourney Weaver in that role? Why? And she doesn't even try. Dreadful. Horrific. Razzy. Really, 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 really bad. Luckily, she's not that important, and she's not in the movie that much. She is hilariously unimportant. She's horrific. I think she has Um, three lines. She's really bad. And she makes the worst of them. My my favorite part is, like, the first time, or the second time you see her, John Turturro, who's in this movie, by the way, asks her to leave the room, and, and Nick just turns to me when it cuts to her, and he's like, nailed it. Because she just like kind of gives this nod and walks off. <laughs> like, you, know, you know, she turned her back to the camera and was like, yes. <laughs> it's hysterical. Crushed it. <laughs> crushed that little nod that said, it, okay. It's hysterical how bad she is. Um, That's the way this entire movie should have been. Uh, I'll, I'll let you finish. This is something I forgot to say, though. But Well, okay, real quick. So, uh, and when, when you. Ca- <laughs> I'm sorry, but when you cast people like John Turturro. And put it, the first scene you see him in is in this garish costume. I'm gonna laugh because it's John Turturro and he's funny. He's a funny guy. So when you like you making it look like this is History of the World Part Two, like that's what I felt like. I was like, am I watching a comedy? And then Ben Mendelsohn, God bless him. I love Ben Mendelsohn as much as you guys do. Well, not maybe not as much as you guys do, but I do I do enjoy him. But and 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 in any if, if this was Pompeii. Okay? If this is a widescreen Anderson movie, I would be so welcoming of Mendelssohn just coming in and just being gross and being doing whatever he's doing in this movie. But it's not. It's a Ridley Scott movie. If Ben Mendelssohn's going to be in a Ridley Scott movie, why is it this one? I just, it breaks my heart. <laughs> so that, there are, there, my thing is, okay, cast the leads. I, that's fine. I know why you had to do it. But why did you have to cast every supporting role as like a like white actor? Like cast actual people that like yeah. know the culture a little the, bit the and know the know the history and know the like uh, uh, oh god Sigourney Weaver is horrific. The worst person in this movie is Ewan Bremner though. 
He's bad. He is the worst. Who is who is he? He's the, the guy who's like he was kind of the, the he's got the one curly. He's credited as an oh, expert. Yeah. Okay, yep, okay. He's been in a million movies. Yep, yeah. he was in Snowpiercer this year, which he was awesome in. He was in Black Hawk Down. He's been in Ridley's movies before. Yeah, absolutely, I don't mind Ewan Ewan Bremner nope. at all. But he was he was the most a fit in my opinion the most miscast person in this movie because his accent is so thick in real life. He it's was struggling to try to hide it really really hard, and he uh, actually had dialogue. Sigourney was the worst for me purely from just every like. She didn't try. She, why was she cast in the first place? Because it's not even that... I, whatever. I don't she, even, to me, at least, she's kind of exotic looking. So I'm like, okay, maybe see her as like a, as like a queen or something. But Ewan Bremer literally looks like a skinny Scottish man. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the blue blazes is he doing in this movie? Like, it's, he, he was the mo- biggest head-scratcher for me. It's a weird one. Um, that is, and that is a really tiny role where you could literally have... You could have Naveen Andrews anyone. if you want to get a little bit Thank you. With it. Thank you. Or why is Aaron Paul in this movie? Aaron Paul is pointless. <laughs> so pointless. Here's okay. Th- this is perfect because okay, yeah, the go other ahead. thing I wanted to say that would have fixed a ton of this movie for me is if the only two characters that had like any dialogue were Moses and Ramesses. Moses and Ramesses, because none of the, the movie should have been about those two. We don't need all these other people. Like no. you could have had a, you know, obviously you need other characters, but I didn't need. I didn't need it. I didn't need any of it. I didn't need Aaron Paul. I didn't need Ben Kingsley. I didn't need any of those people to be par- people that the movie kind of frames as like you should care about these people. None of them do anything. The only two people that this movie should be about are Moses and Ramesses, and the movie should have gone way deeper, done a better job of of fleshing out their brotherhood. It should have made me care that these two brothers were torn apart. Instead, I was like, they both kind of seem like they didn't like each other that much, and they're both kind of dickheads. So whatever, it doesn't really matter. Like it should be. Heartbreaking when these two have to like when when Ramesses has to cast him out. And Edgerton did kind of an okay job where they're kind of like he's like oh, I don't want to kill him like he's 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 my brother. No, mom. Yeah, like I was like okay, Ramesses is trying to be like a good guy, but I don't know why he is because he seems like kind of a dick. Like yeah. even in the opening scene, he seemed like he was considering killing Moses. Kind of. Did anybody else get that vibe? Yeah. And I get he had murderized like he yeah. Was like he had the spear. This is not really a spoiler because oh. it happens five minutes in. It's yeah. like he's considering killing him because okay. he was scared of like. I thought that was more of a. I picked it up as more of a. He picks it up to try and save Moses. And then Maybe there was a, there was a look in his eye that was like. Yeah, it, can it, I just it, nip this in the bud? He totally go either way. He looked yeah. a little murdery. Yeah, but the, the movie literally should have just been about those two characters. Like, that, it would have been it would have been so much cooler. That would have been much more interesting to me, and I think there would have been a bigger point to that. And the movie would have benefited because yeah, I felt. I felt no emotional resonance at any point during this movie. When anybody died, when anything bad happened, I was just like, mm-hmm. I just like wet out like a, a little wet fart. I was like, whatever. It's it's pretty, and like nothing mattered in this movie because because either the destruction was so large scale and impersonal, or it was about people I didn't care about. I was like, mm-hmm, okay. It's it's pretty bad when a comic book movie handled the Moses Ramses dynamic. A billion times better than this movie did. Thor, the first Thor. Oh, infinitely better. Well, you know, I mean, prin- it's a different. It's not the exact same, but no, no, it's a great comparison. Yeah. The Prince of Egypt is the best version of the Ten Commandments story, I think. Like when the Disney movie, it's really good, obliterates the Ridley Scott version. <laughs> like that movie makes you care. You're like, oh my god, no, Moses. Disney's really good at that. Like that's their thing. Yeah, there's like there's singing in that movie. <clears throat> Moses sings when he's exiled, and like you're like you buy it way more. You're like, oh my god, this is horrible, Moses. <laughs> no, I hope you find your land of milk and honey. <laughs> By the way, that that part, Alex and I talked more during this movie than we probably should have. Yeah. But 
It was all funny. We laughed really hard at Moses continuously requesting milk. <laughs> also, this movie has one of the most unintentionally hysterical things I've seen all year. It was so funny. I, I guess I'll save it for spoilers. Yeah, it's, it. it's a plot point later. It, um, it was it was great. Real quick, I wanted to get Spoiler, back to this. Spoilers for the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> Bible spoilers. Um, <laughs> the film nerd, the Bible Bible nerds podcast. <laughs> That's next. Uh, yeah, we got so many we're rolling out, guys. We have a whole plan. We got we got our whole slate up until 2026. Yeah, if you look closely at the, if you look closely at the Sony emails, you'll figure out what the other podcasts are going to watch. <laughs> it's out there. Yeah, we know Chan Chan about it. <laughs> <laughs> we let him know. Then he laughed at us. Um, the thing you mentioned about Ridley Scott's director's cuts. Mm. I have a theory about what's going on with Ridley because I haven't liked his last few movies. Okay, and. I generally like even movies that are considered on his lower end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. um, like Black Rain. Oh, fucking, oh, God. Um, but I think that he's a guy who, back in the day, he under, he clearly understood how, understands this, how the studio works and knows how to work with a studio. He knows this. But I think back in the day, he had the balls enough to shoot the stuff he wanted to shoot and know that he was going to get his version at some point. Yeah, it might not be the one that went into theaters, but he was going to get the final word on that movie. And if you talk to people, people don't talk about the theatrical go to Blade Runner, so he kind of won. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Well, I think I think they do. I think they do talk about that because uh, there. Are I should people... say they don't. They don't consider it the definitive version. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that I don't consider Kingdom of Heaven's theatrical cut the definitive. Yeah, version. They're practically different movies. Completely different and <clears throat> completely different in quality as well. That being said, if you notice the last couple movies he's made. He has not had director's cuts. I'm not saying that every movie he makes should have a director's cut, but it's kind of telling to me. And what to, to me what it says is he just doesn't. He's just kind of like fuck it, you know. Like I think he's. He, I think at this point he's. He knows that he. I think he's kind of beaten down a little bit. That's that's the vibe I get. And he just maybe. I think maybe he's one. trying to get better at telling the story he wants to tell in in the allotted time. Maybe, but he's not good at that. So he should go back to shooting more. Like. I will gladly watch a four-hour version of Exodus if it's engaging. If it's like if, the Kingdom of, how long was the Kingdom of Heaven director's cut? It's like four hours. It would be two tapes. If it, would it was, be it was a two taper. Yeah. One hundred ninety-four minutes, which is three hours and fourteen minutes. Okay, and it's awesome. It's infinitely better than the theatrical. The theatrical cut is not. Well, good. okay. Let's. So he did the Counselor. I don't think the Counselor had a. Director's there was no director's cut, cut for that. Prometheus. Prometheus. No director's cut. It didn't. Nope. And it should have. Interesting. Robin Hood did. Yes. It did, and it was good. Body of Lies did not. Uh, no. American Gangster? It did. It, it did. did. Okay. Yeah, it, it's... I don't know. To me, to me, it really feels like... Like, I don't understand why he would get to the point, or why he hasn't gotten to the point where the studio can't just let him do his thing a lot of the time. Like, I suppose it's not like his director's cut are unanimously, like, the Maybe best. Maybe they are. You think so? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the... You think that was why the Counselor and Prometheus are not top-notch? Because they let him... I think that those... Well, first of all, I like the Counselor, so... <laughs> I haven't seen I'm yet. like one of nine people that, that kind of enjoyed it. But I, I, I don't think it's a Ridley Scott movie. I almost don't even count it as a Ridley Scott movie because it's not like anything else he's ever done. Um, I, I fault those two with the writing, though. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Because the counselor was written by Cormac McCarthy, who is not a, a feature film writer. writer. Yeah. And uh, Prometheus was written by uh, Damon Lindelof, and I've said, <laughs> also not a film writer. So, 
That's where I think he was way misled on those two. And I think that they both look good. I think he's still doing well visually. Absolutely. He's just suffering on a story front. I think he needs a really killer writer that, that totally is like simpatico with him and they can they can really get a good partnership going. I, I'd like to look into who wrote like some of his more classic stuff. Did you I, I don't think he uh, real quick, I don't think he's as bold a director as he once was. And that might it might not be fair. That's to, that's totally true. It might Exodus not be, is the most boilerplate Ridley action it, and everything. It, it feels like going back to the well a little bit. And I'm not I I mean I, I don't you know I've never directed a movie, I never will, but I feel like it's hard to fault him for that because at some point I think a lot of guys kind of get that way where they just they they draw on I mean look at George Romero the guy's doing zombie movies still like probably time to move on but I don't know I feel like there's not a, he's just not as bold and he's not as he's 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 he used to be so unafraid to take any script of any genre and make it a Ridley Scott movie and now he's just kind of making what people expect from a Ridley Scott movie that's why I, I want to know what happened with this one because I feel like there's a bold Ridley movie in there somewhere where he's kind of dissing a lot of stuff and and it got a little bit we'll see there might be a director there, there might be a director's cut of this movie I don't know that'd I could be, be, be bad this could all be this could all, and I would watch it because I know that crocodile action from history I know that his director's cuts tend to be better well, so. and I, the kind of one of the points we're going a little long so I'll wrap yeah. it up here and so we'll is the spoilers <laughs> but um like. Blade Runner is like his third movie. Yeah. And that got... Well, no, it's it's further down the pipeline. No, it's like two or three. I think it's he did... Uh, no, he did, he did the he he, did. the Duelists, 1492, Alien, mm-hmm. and then I think there was one in between Alien and Blade Runner. Uh, 1492 came out in 92. Did it really? The Duelists came out in 77, Alien came out in 79, Blade Runner came oh, out shit. in Oh, shit, okay. I stand corrected. And so, uh, to part of me feels like maybe he got so mangled by that experience of having his creative vision for that movie altered so greatly by the studio that he just kind of ends up shooting for the director's cut. I, which is, I, which I to me feels like a really poor way to sh- to to make a movie. But once again, I I, I mean I I don't doubt that I I. I could see that happening. I mean, I don't think it's the thing is it's. But when you, I mean, you when you look post Blade Runner though, I mean, even a lot of those theatrical cuts wound up. I mean, the Gladiator theatrical cut is is a, still a fantastic movie. I mean, it's one of the best ep- of that type of movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Hawk Down the theatrical cut's great too. There's a director's cut of that as well, um, which is better. But you know, so I think you. It is a weird way to shoot it's, a movie if that's how he chooses to shoot it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can't say I blame him because in a in a weird way maybe it's really smart. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, he's... At the end of the day, it's the right thing to do. You've been hired because of your vision. Shoot your vision. And then if you get the chance to release it, you know, do that. Like, it's... I don't think you're getting hired, at least ideally, in, in, in the right world of filmmaking, you would get hired by a studio to do what they say. You get hired by a studio to help bring something to life that, you know, you bring to the table. Yeah. Getting hired just so a studio can say, point the camera over there and film that guy. Like... That's shitty. I think that's, I, but I, but I think that's the reality of most of it. Yeah, it like, just, it just makes me, it always makes me wonder about how many movies there are out there from other directors from all decades that there's a damn good movie that was pretty much left all left on the cutting room floor. floor. Like how many movies that we don't like could have been, you know? I mean, I think it's the thing that has gotten worse over over time, especially now that that the movie. 
the, the movie theater business is sort of in jeopardy or like has been on the decline. I think studios now are. That's why we're seeing so much franchise mm-hmm. padding. It's either really big or really small. Yeah, because, you know, I think in general the rule used to be that you hired a director because of what he was going to do, at least for for the big budget, budget stuff. You know, yeah. they hired Christopher Nolan for Batman because of what he brought to the table. Yeah. They hired, you know, Brian Singer for Superman because of what he wanted to do. Like they... And, Sam Raimi was Spider-Man. These are all these people were all hired because of what they saw in the property and what they were going to bring to it. Right. <clears throat> Just to use superhero movies for as an example, but I think uh, if I were, it's hard to tell though. We don't know what, what Ridley's like these days. I mean, he's been he's been making movies for a long time, so yeah. He might just yeah. I, I don't know. I, there's so many. There's so many. There's so many things to say about Ridley Scott that I just I would. I, I, we need to do a Ridley Scott episode at some point. Ooh, sounds good. Although I almost don't want to because I almost want to review those movies individually because there's so many good ones that I, I don't want to, you know. So we'll see. Short trip, anything. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and, and do my, my wizardry. Work the work that work. I'm going to take a look at this list of upcoming episodes we have here. <laughs> I, I feel good that I can like tease something and maybe like just erase one and put something else up there mm-hmm. and see if you notice. Because that is the end. I'll be, it's like the, ten, the tablets. Yes, the tablets, yes. The if I rewrite the tablets, I, yeah. oh man. Um, yeah, we should probably, uh, uh, cross the sea of spoiler Terry, and, um, we'll meet you on the other side. Let my people know. Welcome back to Spoiler Terry for Exodus. Um... Anybody got anything they want to say right off the top here? Anything they were itching to get out? I know, Nick, you said that you were going to say yeah, a very I, funny scene. It was so, a scene that was hilarious. Alex mixed, missed it, unfortunately, because he was taking a whiz or something. I was um, buying chocolate because I was falling asleep. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the part when when Ramesses retaliates against Moses for burning down all the supplies and and his wife, Ramesses' wife, says, are, are you not going to do anything? And he's like, I didn't say that. And then it shows... Proceeds to show all of the Egyptian soldiers burning down the huts and stuff that, that the Hebrews live in. It was hilarious because <laughs> it was so ridiculously staged. I was laughing so hard at one shot in particular. It was literally like, it was a lock-off shot and no moving camera, nothing. It was just, and it was the most awkward shot. Like they had a set of a house and like, tear down that wall. We just need to shoot the inside of the house. And there's like a little family sitting in this hut. And, like, the door just gets opened by one guard, and the other one steps in and just throws a torch in the middle of the room, and they shut the door, and the place just bursts into flames, and there's a guy running around on fire. It was so over-the-top and just silly-looking. I was like, it, it literally was shot after shot of Egyptian soldier opens the door, another one just goes, whoop, throws a torch in, and then they shut the door, and the people are like, ah, and the place oh instantly bursts into flames. I was like, this is just, it looked really funny. It was like... Obviously, really sad, but like, right? And well, yeah. the movie did not do a good job making me feel like it was sad because it was that one shot was just <laughs> fucking hilarious. Like he was just tossing a softball, and they're like, "Here you go, milkman's here." <laughs> it was just here's, here's your fire. It was really goofy. It was really oh, goofy. That man. whole sequence, I was just like, this just came across as really zany. And you know, I'm sorry, and not at all surprising. I was like, what? That whole part of the movie was so confusing. Like I, I didn't. Well, that was where they misstepped, I think, was one of the, the... Everything in handling the plagues. Like, some of the plagues were awesome looking, but... Mm-hmm. I think you really needed that connective tissue of Moses going to Ramesses and be like, Yo! You gonna let him go? No? Okay. Plague's coming. 
I'll ask you tomorrow. <laughs> and like, it kind of needed that, that because otherwise the plagues were just happening, and it yeah. just seemed like God was being a dick. That, and that, was, that was my point in saying that it's just like Moses and Ramses watching things happen in front of them. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to get a, a, a time frame on this movie too. Like, it almost seems like there's there's like like the plagues happen in like a twenty four hour period at points. Or well, like, and the other it doesn't I, you know what I mean? Or it just yeah. Yeah, it doesn't know. do the movie any justice either because or it doesn't do it any favors. I mean because okay, if the point of the movie is to make us think Moses is maybe crazy and God doesn't exist, you need scenes of Moses going there saying, "Hey, plagues are going to happen," or you you need because otherwise this movie just seems like God left Moses out of the loop. Mostly all the time. Well, but, and the point of that was Moses was like, I don't agree with what you're going to do here. Right. Yeah. Whether or not that played into anything thematically and really did anything for the character, I don't think so. Yeah, but, but you should have, you still should have had <clears throat> scenes of Moses going and saying, hey, some awful shit is about to go down. Okay. And like this, you, you needed some, I, I personally thought it needed some sort of. You didn't something want to just be like a casual. Yeah, it was just a montage of like of of day after tomorrow stuff in yeah. Egypt, uh, and yeah. it just felt very like that's a that's a really that is that is kind of the big struggle I think in that in that movie. Like there, the the actual struggle of the people to get free was the shortest part of the movie. Yeah, and so, one of my favorite parts of the movie was the opening battle it was really cool. Like I was like, wow, there's actually some kick ass action in the sequence, but mm-hmm. it was the part of the movie that should have been yeah like, cut it. Like cut start the movie with with Moses like literally start the movie with Moses like being exiled or something like give me cause we we kind of know what happens or if you want if you want to make it a better movie about the struggle of the two brothers you, it either has to be Moses's story or it needs to be the story about the two brothers Agreed. and either way something's got to something's got to give so there was a lot of fluff I thought in this movie that did that didn't really need to be there and it kind of felt. This movie actually, if you if you played this movie over top of Robin Hood, it would probably be like a Nickelback song where they run almost <laughs> the exact same and hit the same beats at the same time because they literally start like the exact same. It's amazing. It's it's kind of eerie. Um, I did, real quick, I wanted to say that the the actress that plays uh, Moses's wife, wow, where'd she come from? Because holy crap, she's gorgeous <laughs> she's and, beautiful. and she can act. <laughs> like, put her in more movies, please. That's all I wanted to say about that. Yeah, no, the the their sex scenes, their, their ritual before that was sex. Great. Yeah, that was good. Nick said <laughs> Nick said that was uh, Alex on a date. Oh yeah, it was as our as our as a running joke now. Very yeah. tender. Actually, I thought about the part where, where Moses bounced and was like, "I gotta go do this." I hated that part too because why did he think like Moses was not really a guy of faith, and it, they didn't do a very good job of making me feel like no. he. He really felt compelled to do this. Like, it was just all of a sudden. And I was like, man, this movie's sending, like, a really horrible message. <laughs> like, I, probably part of Ridley's point. I mean, if I want to know from Ridley, like, was the point of this movie to make Moses and, and Christianity seem like kind of a dick move all along? Because when Moses t- tells his family, like, gotta go do a crazy thing that you don't understand. And I was like, it's it just really shitty. Like, he's, he just leave, literally leaves his wife on the doorstep. Like, see ya, maybe, again. And... She's just supposed to wait for him. There's just... a lot of quotes that make it feel that way. Like, from the things that I was reading, I think there was a quote from Ridley where he was basically just kind of like, it's a good thing that I'm an atheist. Because he said, I'm an atheist. It's a good thing that I'm an atheist because I get to look at this objectively and not... Well, he know, said... Whether or not that's true or matters. Oh, it's interesting. It's Aronofsky, Aronofsky is outspoken about that's, this. That's true, too, yeah. Ridley straight up said he thinks religion is the ultimate evil. Yeah. Like... Um, I think that that's why it's a weird choice of film for him to make, and it's weird that it 
still kind of acknowledges God doing a good thing. But I think the casting, I had kind of mentioned this earlier, portraying God as an angry little boy was a really telling I, aspect. I'm not going to lie. I kind of liked that because, like, I... I, I like I liked it, too, because that, that's, like, that's kind of how Old Testament God is. He's, like, he an kind of, angry he's kid kind of pissed stomping off. Yeah. in his sandcastle. Yep. And I, that's, I kind of liked that. I was like, this is probably the coolest rendition I've seen of Old Testament God. Like, like he's kind of a... Kind of a church, I think Ridley, you know? Yeah, Ridley's point was that he's a spoiled, like, punky kid who who... Like Moses kind of says, uh, bro, it's been 400 years. Where you been? <laughs> kind of thing. And God's kind of like mad too. And I'm like, I kind of have Moses' back at that point. Like, yeah, God, like, yeah dude. Like, if you're mad, why, are you, why aren't you doing anything about it? That's how a lot of the Moses-God interactions feel, though, is that it's Moses just kind of being like, oh, you're this all-powerful God and you're doing nothing about this. Like, And it, it's just the, the same. The movie was literally like, the movie is pretty much really like with a whole tray of bowls of soup at a restaurant, just sprinting around the room and spilling everything everywhere because you can't decide what which table you want to get to first. Like, God, I really wish we had listeners who would like Photoshop that together. Because <laughs> I really want to see Ridley Scott with a tray full. <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of how it feels though. Because again, like those those were awesome scenes. I was like, wow, Moses is, is telling God, you're a, you're a little bitch, man. Cut it out. And like that was cool and. But then the movie's kind of like, well, Moses might be insane, though. God might not be real. And then it's like, well, actually, God is real because he just yeah. killed all the firstborns in Egypt. Like, it was it was kind of a weird choice of, of movie to make your point with because some of that shit can't happen without God. Like, you can't just simultaneously <laughs> kill every firstborn boy in Egypt. Yeah, with a black child. mist that just Moses can't just, like, predict that by pulling some guts out of a chicken. And it the movie just needed to commit. Just pick one. And and make it awesome because you could have for sure like that's what was cool about Noah was it was like straight up like this is my version of Noah, this is what happens and it and it committed and it stuck to it and it was awesome. This movie like it really could have been there and there's like four different movies in here that I'm totally willing to watch. I just don't want to watch them all at once. <laughs> that's why I think I think that's where the seven different writers comes into play there. Right, because, yeah, it just because makes it, a mess. It, it just reeks of. I mean, the, the I think the most telling thing for me in terms of the the eight scripts that apparently came into one. <laughs> Um, is I don't know who wrote the eighth script, but somebody did. Um, it was it was God. It was God. It's the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Jesus wrote that, right? Co-wrote. Anyway, so uh, the <laughs> yeah, Alex is done. That's it. Um, there was a point in the movie where a guy was standing in a room who looked exactly like every portrait of Jesus we've ever seen. Like he looked exactly like Jesus. And when Moses walked through him, I just literally went out loud, oh shit, it's Jesus. Like, I thought he was in the movie, because he literally was standing there like... <laughs> That's amazing. Cameo. Yeah. Um, oh god, was... Oh yeah, the uh, the Aaron Paul role, I think, is... It, it reeks of just this extra little remnant of a script that was once... That was then, that was then body, yeah. Chunks of it were eaten by other scripts. And because it's... They, that is the one avenue where they really start to consider taking the is Moses crazy thing. Because you keep seeing Aaron Paul's character, like... Yeah. Like, watching him. And then it literally, they just... They, like, they throw it away. Like, like literally, the scene... At the, that, that plot line, that subplot ends with him going, I'm not talking to anybody right now. Come sit, bro. Yeah. 
Because he notices Aaron Paul there, and he's just kind of like, oh yeah, it's just me. Here. There was not even a conversation between Aaron Paul and Moses about like, hey, or what are you doing? Are you, yeah. Is God actually here? What are we supposed to take from that? Right. Which script was that subplot in? I'm very curious. The scripts were basically the crocodiles in this movie, where they threw them all over the <laughs> and they just started eating each other, and whatever was left was what we got. Yeah, it's too bad. It's I. I it's really too bad because there, like, there are so many awesome movies that could have happened in this movie. They're all there, and they're just like. Maybe the Ridley director's cut will be like director's cuts A, B, C, and D, and they'll all be amazing films. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe there, maybe there's a, maybe there, there is a like Kingdom of Heaven length cut of this movie that where those subplots are all. You can seen have through. them all by all means. Bring it on. If they're all seen, seen to the end. The Give logical. me the Terrence Malick six-hour Exodus movie, and I will watch it if it's all engaging. I would too. But like, don't like I love Snickers, I love Twix, I love Butterfinger. I love Reese's. I would never shove all of them into my mouth at once and hope to enjoy it. Yeah. It would just be disgusting and I would feel <laughs> bloated and overwhelmed. And maybe would be There's a lot of good analogies coming out tonight about, about, about Exodus. A lot like the Bible. It's true. I, um, I wanted to say another thing that felt kind of silly. We, we were talking about... Uh, Nick brought up a point earlier about something that was silly. I thought the execution, like Ramsey's execution of the, of this, like the, the, the person who was trying to like change the the water like he did two executions right in a row and like in a matter of it was like a joke it was like a hanging joke they played as jokes I was like what why is that I expected Questlove to be in the background like it just got yeah oh that was really and I actually laughed that was probably the worst part was I actually thought it was funny but it's played that way though and you get these really weird Dutch angles on like the the hanging precipice I don't know the gallows yeah the gallows that's what they are and it just felt really totally strange. That was that was my friend's review when I was asking about the movie before I saw it. I was like, was Joel Edgerton sweet as Ramsey, he, Ramesses? He goes, yeah, he's pretty cool. He goes, all he really does, though, is hang people. <laughs> he's like, he just yells and hangs a lot of people. And I was like, I laughed at the time. And then as I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, he's right. Sure. He hangs That's a lot of people. He does. It's funny. I yeah. I, I, and they could have done a lot more with that. But again, like... They were showing, he was like, I'm going to hang another set of people tomorrow. And they were showing these reaction shots, people in the crowd. And they all just looked like they were kind of like, mm, that sucks. Like, I never, they didn't even convey, like, the like Moses didn't really convey the weight of this, like, revolution he was throwing. Which was also a very weird segment. Like, Moses as, like, a guerrilla fighter was kind of strange. That's that's something, too. I don't, I don't. That I, was, again, Robin Hood, man. I must have been this gone is, when he was fighting a yeah, guerrilla. Yeah, you were. I have a problem with <laughs> the fact that. And I'm glad that you sparked my memory here. I have a problem with the fact that he keeps Moses keeps getting told about how bad things have gotten. Things have gotten so bad. Then he gets there, and Ben Kingsley's like, fine. And I'm like, <laughs> you were old as shit when he first lady last saw you. This was like nine years ago. Ben Kingsley should be dead. Like, like, and in all honesty, that character should have been dead. Or like somebody like you don't really see it that much. Like it doesn't seem that much worse than it was before. It's equally as shitty. Also, but... it's hilarious because Moses just rides his horse around by the slave quarry without he's he's without he's, reaction whatsoever he's from a guards foot behind going, guards. Hey, hey, shouldn't you be down there? Like he just kind of riding his horse around over overwatching him. This is not yeah. good. Also, the one scene I wanted to have more weight: the scene when Moses kills the Egyptians, the the first two Egyptian the guards. guards. Yeah, that should have been huge. Like, um, uh, the first moment when Moses actually sheds the blood of his own his own people, his adoptive people, mm-hmm. should have been like a heart wrenching moment for him, where he like starts to realize, oh God, like I I identify more with these Hebrew people than I do with my own. Again, I'm air quoting my own people. 
Like, it, that should have been a huge moment. Instead, he just seemed annoyed that they, like, bothered him. And I, he's I, like, no, it's get like, the, get out of my way. I'm walking this way. The yeah, exactly. Way. He did it, and it was really, really unmotivated and weird. And I was like, that should have, like, it didn't even strike me until later in the movie. I was like, oh, that should have been the big scene where he accidentally, where he kills an Egyptian. And he's like, oh, oh my God. Even if he did it, even if it happened the same way it happens <clears throat> in the version we got, where he kills them very quickly, but and then maybe if he breaks down afterwards, like, I mean, because, you know, in that moment I can buy into him, you know, just wanting, I don't know. There's a lot of issues with this movie, and I wonder, I wonder if we will get a director's cut. I'm curious to see. And then if it's better. Yeah, and like, parts of Moses as a badass I kind of bought. Like, I was like, oh, that makes sense. He's yeah. raised, like, alongside the guy who will be the general leader. Like, Moses fighting people was kind of cool and different. Was, I was down for that. The scenes in the desert were really sweet when he was roaming. That was actually probably my favorite part of the movie. Him roaming to the uh, to the village where he would meet his wife. Um, what what Where was that supposed to be? Do we know, like, what nation that was supposed to be? Or With his wife? And, uh, where, where she was. What was she supposed to be? Of what nationality? Do we have any idea? She was... Like a, I think in the Bible, it's technically, like, a... a Jethro, I don't know. I'm not going to speak to this because I don't... Okay. But did she worship the Egyptian gods? No. I don't no. think so. But it, so it was a totally different faith entirely. I think so. Okay, interesting. I like to... I I will say this. I'm, I'm interested to read up again on my Bible stuff. Just to kind of... Yeah, I would. That, I was going to say that. I'd like to know a little more. And I felt that way with, after Noah, too. Where I was like, I kind of want to read... Like, I am so not well-versed in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I know the very, very basics of it. and uh, But it'd be interesting, I think, to read, to read the... Uh, the, story again. the last thing I'll say, the Red Sea part, I'm really torn because I wanted it to be more like Alex and I were talking about yesterday, like the, the Prince of Egypt scene, the parting of the Red Sea is amazing. And when they're crossing through it, like at nighttime and stuff, it's very eerie and there's, there's like these 200 foot walls of water on either side of them. It's really cool. Yeah. It was neat how in Ridley's version, like I was kind of okay with it, like receding like it did because when it was filling back in, it was amazing. It was crazy. That was so sweet. There's this wall of water coming. So many whales. Yeah, oh, they were just right there at the forefront, leading the leading the charge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, um, that was incredible, and like the the that was the one time where I actually felt suspense building. Yeah, you're looking, and like two miles away, you see this, you know, spoilers for Interstellar. I was gonna say Interstellar esque sequence of this giant wave. It was really neat, and I was like, okay, that wouldn't happen because in the original version, it. Well, in the original version, you did get kind of a similar thing where... It splits the, in half. It splits in half. The side that they came from starts filling in and coming towards them, which is kind of cool. Um, but in this one, it was nuts that the whole sea was gone and they were just walking and on the floor. And it all just comes from the water. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I was going to say that I kind of like the scene better in Interstellar, but... Well, I, that's fair enough. I... I can't argue with that. Interstellar was definitely better because I gave a shit about what happened to most of the characters. And this one, I was like, yeah, whatever. Moses well, and, be fine. and you know, you didn't know the story of Interstellar going into it either. So yeah. the tension is automatically yeah. going to be raised. And we knew Moses was going to be fine. Ramses, right? we didn't care because he was the bad guy. Right. He should have been ripped into a thousand pieces by the water and all the Doesn't ship. Doesn't he religion. die in the traditional story? Doesn't Ramses die in the when the water comes? Like he's never. I think he goes back to the shore. I think he does. He? Okay. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't remember. That was something where I was like, I wonder if that's something people are pissed about because I thought, like, I I thought. Like I said, very foggy, but I thought I remember him dying in the original story. But I, I was expecting a shark attack moment too in the Red Sea. They were there. They were yeah. the Ramsey's just cow. punching a shark while it takes <laughs> riding it. <laughs> oh boy! All right, I, I, Anybody... I, I wanted to to talk a little bit about more the the biblical. Well, I you know I don't know a whole lot about it, and I don't want to say much. But I I learned a little bit today, and that we don't actually know who the pharaoh was at the time of this. Mm. Ramsey's is just kind of picked because. 
he might logically make sense with where Egypt was at the time. And okay. if they lost all of their slaves then, then it would make sense with the, kind of the development of the city. But we don't know that Ramses II was the pharaoh. At the okay. Time. The Bible never mentions a name for the pharaoh. He's just pharaoh. Okay. I think that's interesting. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, I, went, I, I looked at the Wikipedia article. There's like, these are the eight pharaohs that it could have been. And it covers like a 300-year span that wow. might have been when Moses and the pharaoh had this altercation. That's crazy. But, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. Anybody else got anything else they want to say? Or good? See, that would have been a bold choice for Ridley, too, to make it a different pharaoh than Ramesses by saying, well, it could have been this other guy. It could have been Dave... Yeah, I'm kind of curious as to like Pharaoh Dave. <laughs> Pharaoh Dave Dave the Third. Hey. If I was making my Mo- Moses, no. Oh, God. If I was making my like Radio Lab style podcast, it would I would probably try and track back to why is Ramsey's the one that we've landed. The popular, on. yeah. Is it simply because the It's a cool name. Or because of uh the Ten Commandments, or is it because of any of the books that the Ten Commandments is based on, or is hmm. it, like where did they get it from? That would be interesting to chase down, but it would. Moses and Ramesses just has a good ring to it. It does. It's a good pairing of names. Just rolls right off your tongue. Um. All right. Well, that's it. That's that's it. Yep. That's this is the end of the Exodus. Review. So so I'm not. I'm not even sure. Where did the three of us land on this movie? I think there's a movie in there somewhere, maybe that was shot or not shot, and hopefully it was shot, and I can see it one day. <laughs> that, that's how I feel. This movie may have been shot; it might not have been shot. <laughs> I don't know, but it's a movie. I think maybe. it was okay in its current form. It's not as bad as I think it's being made out to be. No, it's not a great movie. It's not really even a good movie. It's an eh movie, and that's really unfortunate because this is kind of a few in a row I felt that way about Ridley stuff. So <clears throat> I, I'm hoping that that. Either there's a better version of this out there or that he's just in a slump and he's going to kind of pull himself out. I'm not certain that a director's cut could even save. Like, I don't... I think the movie might be so many pieces of scripts that I don't know if it's possible that it's all there for Ridley to, to have shot everything that would rectify... I totally get that. And so I'm kind of... At this point, I'm just like, unless both of you watch the the director's cut and are like... You need to watch this. And, and that being said, if I think if you have, had, if you have, had, when you, if you ever see both versions of the Kingdom of Heaven, like the original and the director's cut, you'll go, okay, maybe that is possible because it's Nick's maybe, right. It's, yeah. a, it's like a totally I, different movie. I'm, I'm a bit uninformed when it comes to to, to Ridley and the director's cut. To, I haven't seen both of many of the movies. Right. Right. So yeah. all right. Um, well, that does it for our episode this week. What's the plan for next week, guys? Next week we're... is the Hobbit. Ah, yes. Another historical epic. No, yes. not really. Based on a uh, book. Based on a book, it's true. Based on a third of the book. <laughs> yeah, now this one's... Well, I mean... This one's be, based on like a hundredth of the book. Yeah, I was going to say, to be fair. Um, yeah, way to cash in, Ridley. <laughs> milk this thing for Just all excerpts of the Bible. Yeah. What a punk. Stupid. Um, once again, don't forget to send us feedback. We would love to have you uh, featured on our review for The Hobbit Part Three, whatever the new subtitle for what's the subtitle? The Bell of Five Armies. Thank you. That one. Um, you can call us at two four eight seven three three five MFN, which is two four eight seven three three five six three six, or email us feedback at midwestfilmnerds dot com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias or on the Twitter. That's what Chris Jericho says on his podcast all the time. It makes me laugh. Professional wrestler Chris Jericho. Every time he mentions Twitter, he goes on the Twitter. 
<laughs> so I want to steal that from him. Um, at MFN Podcast, also on Instagram, at MFN Podcast. Um, Facebook.com slash Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. You can find us there and send us some feedback. And then, of course, go to our website, MidwestFilmNerds.com, so you can check out all our older episodes with show notes. That's it for us this week. If we're not on next week, it's because Sony sued us into oblivion for talking about yeah, their emails. Right. Uh, at this point, I think that we're the least of their concerns. But you never know. Yeah, it, could, it could happen. I don't know. Amy Pascal or whatever her name is could just show up right now and just shut us down. Yeah. Um, I'd make fun of her for her grammar, though. I'll put, I'll put her in the tags of the of the post. So, oh, no. So it comes up on our Google alert. Put Chan Chan in there, though. Yeah, sure. Yeah, throw him in there. Okay. Um... Anyway, yeah, Kyle XY, go watch a movie.